Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello once again. This is The Inner Life. I'm glad to have you along for this hour that we dedicate to spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. I'd like you to think about a time where you were in a group setting People are all, you know, talking, sharing. You have something you'd like to contribute to the conversation, but you're a bit nervous. You're shy. You're hesitant to speak up. What did you do in that situation? Did you stay quiet? Did you let the moment slip by without saying anything? Or did you muster up your courage and speak about what was on your mind? If you're a regular listener to The Inner Life, you know that I'm a convert to the Catholic Church. And when I was young... My family, we attended a Southern Baptist church in Livermore, California. That's a city there in the Bay Area near San Francisco and Oakland. And my dad was one of the deacons in that Baptist church, a part of the leadership there. And the church, every Sunday, it had two services, a morning service and then an evening service, and we would attend both of them. Now, this one Sunday, I was probably about four years old at the time, There was some sort of business meeting prior to the evening service, and I don't remember how many people attended. I'm guessing maybe 15 to 20 men. And they were kind of scattered around the sanctuary, sitting in different pews there in that church. And for whatever reason, my dad had brought me along with him to this meeting. And at four years old, I was there just observing, watching this basic repeated activity that was taking place at the meeting. The pastor, he was up in front, up there by the podium, and he would say something. One of the men would raise their hand. The pastor would call on that person. They'd say something in response, and then the pastor himself would respond to whatever they said. And this happened over and over throughout that meeting. Now, as most four-year-old boys are, I was restless. I was not just sitting still there in the pew, or even if I was at the beginning, I I didn't for very long. I was climbing around my dad as he's sitting there in the pew. I was being silent, but I was fidgety. And I must not have been too overwhelmingly distracting because my dad, he he wasn't bothered by my activity and he was paying attention to that meeting. But the longer that I watched all of these men that were raising their hands and they were speaking when the pastor called on them, the more I kept thinking to myself, I should raise my hand. I have something important to say. And I don't know exactly how long I considered if I really was going to raise my hand, but I finally made that decision. And so there I did. I raised my hand. I was standing on the seat of the pew, kind of slightly crouched behind my dad's shoulder. But I raised my hand up, and the pastor, he looked at me. He pointed to me, and he said my name with this questioning tone, curious why This little four-year-old boy is raising his hand. He said, Joshua? And my dad, he turned around. He was surprised to see that 
Yeah, I did. I had indeed raised my hand. And now everybody else there in that church sanctuary, they were all looking at me, wondering what I was going to say. So I shared what I, at four years old, thought was extremely important information. I said loudly, I like candy corn. And immediately the church was filled with this roar of men laughing, loud, deep, robust laughter, which was a bit much for me to take in. I shrank down behind my dad there in the pew. I was intimidated. I was embarrassed. And I don't remember how much longer that meeting continued. I actually don't remember anything else about the meeting, what anybody said. But I do remember after the meeting concluded, there was this short little break after the meeting before the beginning of that evening church service. And the pastor, he came up to me and he said, you know what? I like candy corn too, which was such a great way to help just relieve some of my embarrassment. But that enthusiastic sharing from a four-year-old child, wanting to proclaim loudly, to tell everyone how much I like candy corn, you know, or whatever (laughs) the candy might be. Well, that should be the same sort of attitude that we all have When it comes to talking about our faith, we have been given this amazing gift of salvation, the gift of being united with love himself, with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So how about you? Do you find yourself a little shy, a little hesitant, maybe embarrassed, or are you barely able to contain your excitement about telling others the good news that Jesus has freed you from your sins, from your guilt? that he loves you. He's called you to be one of his followers. Well, this is what we want to talk about today here. We want to talk about how we can be that evangelist for Christ, for the church. We want to discuss how each of us is called to proclaim the gospel message and introduce Jesus to others. And joining me today is our spiritual director here on The Inner Life, I'm very glad to welcome for his very first time on the program, Father Michael Nixon. Uh, Father Michael is a priest in the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee, and he's the pastor of St. Dominic's Catholic Church in Panama City, Florida. Father Michael, welcome to The Inner Life. Glad to have you here. It's so good to be here, Josh. Uh, I was was just just nodding my head and and filled with joy just as you were sharing that beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, recollection of, 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 boldly proclaiming your your uh, your your love for My candy love corn, candy which I thought corn. Was, was, yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, I don't still have that same sort of love. I think that was a childhood <laughs> taste and I've I've grown up in the flavors that I prefer. Um but but candy is so important when you're a child, isn't it? It's uh <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I, and 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 being being able to share the good news with others, you know, just is it comes naturally. That's right. Well, uh, maybe before we dive into evangelism and our topic for today, since this is your first time here on the program, Father Michael, uh, maybe you can just tell us a little about yourself. You're there, a priest in the northern panhandle uh, in Florida. Are you a Florida native? Yeah, so I, um, I'm originally pretty West Coast. I was born in California and uh, grew up in Hawaii, actually. Oh, and then wow. moved to, okay. to Tallahassee, Florida, which is the east part of our diocese. We're basically the panhandle of Florida, um, uh, Pensacola, Tallahassee diocese, where, where I'm a priest. I've been a priest for 12 years now. Um, but grew up, like, uh, like, like you were saying, we're actually converts as well. I um, was not uh, uh, Catholic when I was born. We were actually Hare Krishnas, um, oh, my wow. family was. When, That's when, a very uh, California yeah, kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
So for those that don't remember them, they're the saffron robes selling flowers in the airport um, the 70s and 80s. And, and uh, so anyway, so uh, I think George Harrison's probably the, the most famous of the uh, of the Hare Krishnas. Um, so uh, so yeah, that was that was my um, early faith experience. And then we converted. Uh, my dad came into the church. Um, and uh, he had his own just kind of crazy journey in, into Catholicism through a lot of time of pain and suffering and, and, and searching and, uh, and encountered the Lord. He hadn't been raised Catholic or Christian and encountered Jesus and and, came, and eventually came to the church and brought my whole family. And so I was baptized with all my siblings um, as a six-year-old uh, in, uh, in California soon before we moved, we moved to Hawaii. Um, so so that, that, that's kind of a very very short sort of uh sort of in, intro to the the uh the messiness of of uh of our family journey in, in faith um but yeah but like i said so, i've been a priest now for 12 years and and serving here in panama yeah. city well and my producer nick he shared with me that you and your father so your father's a deacon in the catholic church now you both were actually ordained to the deaconate him as a permanent u.s transitional the very same year mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, I beat I beat him by two months. Um, okay. But uh, but yeah. So so my um, I, w- I was ordained in April of that year, and my dad in June. Um, and uh, my dad's an awesome, awesome. Both my parents are, are awesome, just in their own living out their faith. They're great, just great disciples. And, and my dad is a deacon, is a really good, really good preacher. And and both both my parents do prison ministry as well. So my, my uh, so my dad actually preached my first mass when I was ordained a priest, which was pretty cool oh, wow. um, back in 2010. Yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, uh, Father Michael, let's go ahead and, and turn to our topic for today, uh, talking about evangelism. And I'm always a big fan of starting off by defining terms, you know, making sure that we're all on the mm-hmm. same page, knowing what we're talking about right out of the gate. So maybe we can just talk about that word itself, about being an evangelism, mm-hmm. what what does evangelism mean? Absolutely. So, I mean, so it really comes from the same word that we're, where we get the word gospel, which is good news. So proclaiming, sharing good news. Um, and it's interesting, too, that, that you know, we don't always think of, of how, uh, how charged every word of the gospels were as they're written down in the, in the, the first century and as they're shared and disseminated in, in, in the Roman Empire. But to say um, that we have the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord um, was was a very uh, uh, rebellious and very uh, you know it was a, a punishable offense because that's actually what the Roman Empire would say. They would say, "I, I bring you Evangelion. I bring you good news. Uh, Caesar has has taken over your town. Like you now belong to to Rome." Um, that was <laughs> that was the good news that that Rome would bring. Um, usually after after warfare and and uh, decimating a. a a, uh, a country's army in Germania or whatever, then they would, would send in the, the evangelists, would be the people that would basically say, uh, there's a new king, and, and it's Caesar, and you belong to him, so that means the tribute goes to him, and his protection goes to you, so you have a new identity. So it, it, in a very real sense, that has been superseded by, by the church's evangelization, um, our, our call to be evangelists, um, which is we share this good news that Jesus Christ is king, he's Lord, he, he's, he's conquered sin and death, um, he reigns at the right hand of the Father, and he's invited us um, to uh, to be a part of his kingdom, this this new kingdom that he has ushered in. And so it's it's sharing very, very good news. And I, I tell people a lot, you know, because we're in such a news-saturated world, that this is the very best of news, and really the only news that, unlike other news, that just sort of frustrates us, uh, frustrates us or angers us or, or leads to greater division and judgment. And, and, you know, my echo chamber that I sit in, 
and uh, reminds me of how right I am and how, how stupid and wrong my, my opponents are. Um, this is the good news that, that convicts me of my own sinfulness, but also fills me with hope. It's the, it's the only news that actually saves. So, um, yeah, that, that's evangelization is sharing the, the good news, and, and it's the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, and I like the, uh, yeah, I'd never heard that before about the evangelism that's happening there in the Roman Empire, and it's such a different, uh, kind of a turning on its head, that idea of evangelism, mm-hmm. because the good news that you'd have, uh, you know, these evangelists from the uh, Roman Empire, they're going in and they're they're telling good news from their point of view you know i mean that's kind of like the old uh what what's the what's the phrase it's something like you know history is written by the victors so the good news is told by the victors essentially there you know you're in the occupied country now you are serving the conqueror but then evangelism from a christian standpoint becomes no, you are completely free, and it's no longer that it's just good news from the victor's standpoint. You actually get to share in that good news in a real sense and, and have that freedom instead of being an occupied territory. You've entered into free territory. Yes, yes. And it comes, and, and, and the amazing, again, turning it on its head is a good way of viewing it, um, the amazing reality that Jesus Christ, that he wins his kingship by by dying for the people rather than having people die for him you know for him sure, in battle yeah. that he crushes yeah. and kills and decapitates and crucifies and and, and where people finally like acquiesce to his his lordship he allows that to be taken upon himself which is is the startling reality of what god is like that is is that god has revealed fully in jesus christ um that that he's the one who who lays down his life for us so that we can be free that he submits to to slavery he submits to to torture and death and um and yeah it's 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 and, and in a sense even he uses the, the instrument of torture and death of the roman empire to now be his, his right. throne yeah. <laughs> which is the cross the, the the sign by which rome uh, i think you know the around the time of jesus you know about two-thirds of the world's population was under the roman empire and that was subjugated and it lived in fear of the cross and so now all of a sudden the cross becomes the thing that we look upon not with fear but with recognizing that i'm loved and and, and there's hope within that um, because because that that's where uh, he, he reigns from that spot, which is again just it's the best it's the best news in the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that good news that we are called to share. Before we can do that, though, there's this old saying: you can't give what you don't have. So we have to have our own relationship with Christ before we can introduce him to others. That that relationship, as with all relationships. It has to start with dialogue, you know, Jesus speaking to us, us speaking to him, and we have to have regular daily communication with him. We have to get to know him before we can start telling people about him. Maybe can you talk a moment about that aspect that, uh, you know, there really has to be that personal experience, that relationship with Christ, with God, before we even consider evangelism? Absolutely. And and it's it's something I think that the church has been calling us to focus on. Really, every every great saint in the history of the church has lived this and has taught this. It's one of the things that oftentimes, unfortunately, just sort of gets lost in translation for many many even faithful Catholics' understanding of of oh, the type of relationship. Not that I'm just invited to have or that select few have. That every single one of us 
must have, which is that personal living relationship with Jesus Christ. That I know, I know God uh, personally and well, and He knows me. And, and that, that culminates, obviously, as Catholics with the Holy Eucharist, where we become one flesh with, with Jesus Christ Himself. Um, but yes, so so for me, and I think for for um, uh, hopefully every everybody to be able to trace those moments of where I've encountered the Lord, I've encountered Jesus, not just in like I had a, a nice God moment where where it's like oh that worked out, I didn't, I didn't know it was going to work out, but I recognize oh He's real and He loves me and He has a plan for my life and He's saving me from sin and healing me of my woundedness and my brokenness um, and giving me a mission. All all those things, every encounter with Jesus um, becomes those those turning points, um, those watershed moments in, 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 in the life of a Christian. And uh, I think that's why Pope John Paul II, Pope Benedict, um, Pope Francis now have said this over and over again, that the encounter with Jesus, that that's the heart of what it means to be a Christian. It's not an ethical yeah. decision or a lofty ideal, but it's an encounter with this person who gives my life new meaning and purpose. And I realize, oh, it's never going to be the same um, because of this. Um, and that's for the person who has who has the dramatic conversion, and you know later on in life, or the person who's just steadily grown in their faith. That all of us are count, called to to recognize and celebrate, and go deeper into those moments that we've encountered the Lord. Well, and even as you're saying that, I'm thinking of there's uh, um, Pope Francis in his apostolic exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium, the joy of the gospel. He ends up quoting Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. And it's, I, I don't have it right here in front of me, but it's something along the lines of uh, that Christian, the, the Christian life is not merely some theoretical construct or some lofty idea. It is a personal encounter, an encounter with a person, with, uh, you know, God himself. Uh, and, you know, in that, in that apostolic exhortation, Pope Francis the, the big focus of it is that we're all missionary disciples. Each of us is mm. in this permanent state of mission to the world around us. But even in that, prior to him communicating that through the bulk of that message, he makes that call for a personal renewal of the encounter each of us needs to have with Christ. And he spends several paragraphs early on in that document, before he ever gets into the idea of us sharing Christ with others, it's kind of like he's saying just first things first. There's no point in talking about evangelization if you don't have that foundation, that relationship with Jesus yourself. So maybe we can talk about that for a moment. Let's say that I've been in the church for years and years. Maybe even I grew up, you know, I'm a cradle Catholic, lived in the church, grew up in the church. Uh, I had that encounter with Christ years ago, but I haven't been putting in that time and that effort. Mm. You know, things are feeling a little stale. Any suggestions, any advice on how to begin to rekindle that relationship, to renew that encounter with Jesus? Absolutely. I, I think um, I actually have it up here. Again, Evangelii Gaudium, as you said, um, Pope Francis's apostolic exhortation, the joy of the gospel is is just a great document if you're, if anyone's hoping to go deeper in evangelization and just kind of reflection with uh, personally or, or with a group, I, I highly recommend it. Um, but even that opening line, the joy of the gospel fills the hearts and lives of all who encounter Jesus. And I invite all Christians everywhere, 
at this very moment to a renewed personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Again, so so important. That's how he starts off. And as you said, he just he hits it over and over and over again, echoing the words of Pope Benedict, echoing the words of John Paul II, and more importantly, echoing the words of the gospel um, of what they're what we're being invited into. And maybe one of the the, the hangups that we can have as Catholic Christians um, for those that maybe grew up in the faith and this is new language to them or they, they feel uncomfortable, it feels Protestant to them, is that in a sense we don't we haven't normalized talking about my relationship with Jesus. Um, being able to talk about that, like when's the time that you encountered Jesus, you knew God was real, you knew that he saved you from sin, you knew that, that he sent his son to die for you, gratitude for that. And, and the more that we begin, because most Catholics have had those experiences, but they've never really felt free or encouraged or um, seen it modeled to be able to talk about it, to be able to say like, oh, this is a normal thing to discuss. When so often our, our, our Protestant evangelical brothers and sisters do a great job of, of talking about when they were saved, as, as they would say, when they encountered the Lord, when they accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, those moments and the grace that was surrounding those moments um, is, is, is real and it's beautiful. When, when, uh, as John Paul would say, uh, our faith grows when it's, when it's given away, when it's shared with other people. Um, that, that the more I can reflect on that by telling someone else about it, the more it grows in my heart and in their heart as well. So even, even that is, is something simple, to be able to reflect on our lives of like, where have you met the Lord? Maybe it was a time when you just felt broken and you felt God can never forgive you, and then you actually went to confession and you experienced mercy and healing from the priest and from the sacrament and hearing the Lord speak to you in that profound way. Um, and and that filled your heart with, with peace and light. I think any, any person who's gone to confession recently can probably attest to that. So in a sense, they have, they've encountered the Lord, and maybe they didn't realize that that's what it was, but, uh, but even just, just beginning to normalize that, that, um, that conversation and that sharing, I think, begins to excavate uh, more and more those, those experiences that we're already having, and then opens us up to be more um, intentional in, in seeking those out on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Easier to recognize those as they come up rather than just being kind of oblivious when they pass us by. That's that's uh, mm-hmm. that's great. Uh, our spiritual director here on The Inner Life, Father Michael Nixon, and today talking about how we can evangelize our community, our world. And how about you? How do you share your faith with others? When have you had success in talking with someone about what you believe as a Catholic? Maybe if you're more of an introvert, how have you found ways to work and build the kingdom of God? Maybe you're not good with speaking to other people, but you've been able to evangelize through other means. We'd love to hear your story. Maybe you have a question about evangelizing, about speaking to others, about your faith, and you'd like some advice, some insight from Father Michael. You can call in and speak with him at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, our email address, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. And we're going to continue our conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today we'd like to thank Mario, who's listening in South Carolina, for donating his Oldsmobile. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating your old vehicle by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. This is The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and today I'm speaking with Father Michael Nixon. He's a priest in the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee, in Florida. 
and the pastor of St. Dominic's Catholic Church in Panama City, Florida, today talking about evangelism, how we can evangelize those around us, those we encounter. How about you? How do you share your faith with others? Maybe you have a question about how you can share what you believe as a Catholic with somebody that you've encountered seems like maybe there's a bit of resistance or you're not sure maybe even how to kind of begin to open that conversation. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Michael. Our phone number here in the studio, 888-914-9149, Father Michael, so we've talked about evangelism, what it is. We've talked about that relationship that we need to have with Christ. If we have that relationship with Jesus, if we're connected to him through prayer, through the sacraments, at that point, what do you think maybe is the biggest obstacle to us evangelizing our immediate community? What holds us back or creates problems in us trying to be mm. that that stand-up, bold witness for Christ? You know, I, I think it goes back to there's, there's the classic um, opposition that we face as followers of Jesus, as disciples, which is the, the threefold world, flesh, and devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil are the, are the three things that stand against us. Um, I think it's the first letter of John that, that makes that clear, and spiritual writers throughout the years would always talk about that. So if you think about so the world, as in the world around us is, is um, you know, the fallen world, you know, that, that um, stands against this message that we share. Um, so it's, it is countercultural, it is against the grain, and particularly now we're outside of any sort of Christendom society or civilization, um, and we're still surprised by that, I think, that Christendom does not exist. Uh, now, Christianity exists, um, but, but Christendom as, as, as the um, operating force that we're all kind of active, uh, you know, that, that animates culture and politics and, and, and arts and sciences and, and um, has a Christian direction uh, or flavor, that's, that's gone away. And so yeah. we're opposed uh, when we, when we uh, share Jesus Christ. But that's exactly what it was like for the early church, too, that they stood up against the world. And they weren't expecting, we're still expecting the world or politicians to agree with us and enact laws and policies <laughs> that support us. But the early Christians uh, were not in that spot. You know, St. Paul um, wasn't caring, like, who the next emperor was going to be. He, he, he realized whoever it was was probably going to try to kill him, but he's still called to do his mission. So the world is, is arrayed against us. The flesh, that's my own fallenness, my own, my own fallen, um, not my body, but my own fallen humanity, which tends toward, towards what is easy. And uh, the fact is, is that, that it's, it's easier to, to live my faith, quote-unquote, privately um, and to not seek ways to, uh, to, to share this with others, to just mind my own business, you know, to, to fall back on, and I think it's kind of a misnomer of, of, of saying like, well, my actions are, are how I evangelize. I'm just going to be a really, it's like, your actions aren't that great, you know, <laughs> as great as they are. Um, we need to use words, and, 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 and the church continues yeah. to say that, you know, yeah. they, they, I think they attribute that to St. Francis of Assisi, that like, you know, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. And some people, right, right. you know, really lean on that. And I often say, like, first of all, that's not an actual quote from, from St. Francis, and St. Francis lived the most radical, holy life of maybe anybody since Jesus in the history of the Church, and he still needed to use words. So my life isn't that radical, and generally it's not that holy <laughs> most days, so I, I probably need to, need to think about using words 
um, in, in telling people about Jesus. Um, but then also the devil. You know, we have an enemy, and, and he hates this work, and, he, and, and the work that we're engaged in as members of the church, it, we're, not, we're not a passive society. The church is not a passive society. Jesus founds the church. You can think of um, in, in Matthew's Gospel when Jesus says, you're a Peter upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. I think sometimes as Catholics we hear that and think that, like, okay, no matter what, no matter how difficult it gets out in the world, no matter how, how much we're persecuted, we're going to survive the night. You know, we're, we're, we're going to be there at the end. But that's not what the, the passage says, because gates don't attack. And so Jesus founds his church, and you and I are members of that church, whether you're ordained or lay or religious or wherever, whatever your state in life, whatever your age, you're part of an offensive reality. And our, our charge is to... to, to um, tear down the gates of hell and, and despoil hell, which is the mission that Jesus has that we're now part of. And so recognizing that that's going to be opposed. The enemy, through, through sin and temptation, through fears, through anxieties, through the brokenness of other people in the church, that he accuses us and accuses, um, accuses them. It tempts us to not do the job that is ours, the mission, to not take up the mission that is ours, which is to share the gospel with every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. That, that's our job. That's our responsibility. And so I think on, on the face of it, there's other cultural aspects too, but the world of flesh and the devil um, stand against and athwart what um, our, our, our uh, call to evangelize. And so it's very easy to just path of least resistance to just fall into that spot of like, well, someone else will do it. Maybe that's the priest's job, or maybe that's the bishop's job, or, or you know, you know uh, your, your job, Josh, you have a radio show. It's, it's your job um, uh, to do it, instead of recognizing like, oh, there, there's people who, whose eternal uh, destiny is tied up into whether or not I'm going to say yes to this mission that's, that, that's been given to me by Jesus to share the gospel with them, and I'm the only one that can reach them. And that's not because I'm so I'm so amazing or, or, or holy. It's because I'm in a relationship with them, and that's where all evangelization starts. It starts not from from eloqu- being eloquent and, and having a theological degree. It starts from having a relationship with somebody, right. and that's where the, the real meaningful evangelization happens. Yeah, yeah. There has to be that trust. There has to be that respect. Um, yeah, but before that, that real intimate conversation about the faith can happen. I, I'd like to go back to the first. Uh, point that you made of things that might be those obstacles. You, you know, going in reverse order, there's the spiritual warfare aspect. You talked about our own fallenness uh, as the second item. But that first item, that instead of there being kind of that Christendom recognition in our world, we're now in a culture that openly is uh, it, it's antagonistic or it, it fights against a Christian ethos or identity. And I was thinking about that. You said that's no different from the early Christians, what they experienced. But I, I do see a difference in the fact that in that early, in those those first couple centuries there, the church was bringing love into a culture, mm-hmm. into a society that was mainly about retribution, about uh, conquering, about dominance. And now we live in this post-Christian world where we have, um, it, it really seems like this message of love has been brought to such a large degree in our Western society especially, that when we try and speak honestly and directly about certain things that are immoral, certain things that are just out-and-out sin, all of a sudden we're then attacked as not being loving, 
not being accepting. Mm. And so it's kind of almost a reverse. Instead of the early church bringing love into the world, we're being accused of you're not being loving. How do you, how do you I guess, tr- try and reconcile that, yes, of course, we want to love people, but we can't, we, we have to be able to call a spade a spade, so to speak. You know, we, we have to be honest about sin and about what is good and what is evil. Right. No, and I, th- I think that that's that's a, a great uh, distinction, probably between the the apost- you know the church of of the apostles and the church today is is this recognition that um, that Christianity has been proposed, it's been lived, it's been it's been embraced, and then we've seen in a sense the other side of that, where, where we're now in this post Christian society where we still kind of exist on some of the the the, uh, the the afterglow of Christianity at least in in some some basic understandings of, of human dignity and 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 rights and freedoms that really come from Christianity but are, are now divorced from any any sense of the most important aspects of following Jesus so um, I think CS Lewis had this great insight of, of that it's it's the difference between um, a young man wooing a young lady and a um, a divorced man trying to win back a a uh, a uh, kind of uh, disenfranchised divorcee, like his, you know, like that. That in a sense, it's 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 trying to reach people with the gospel who are like, I've heard the gospel, I've heard, I know about Jesus, and I don't want it, um, which is which is is very different uh, from proposing right, it for the yeah. first time for somebody who, who's never <laughs> yeah. heard it before. Um, and so it's it's interesting. I think a couple of things with that. <clears throat> One, the the moral teachings of the church. As 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 they're um, taught and, and embraced in really beautiful dynamic ways, I think particularly for me uh, the the impact of something like John Paul II's theology of the body is are so powerful and so rich and so life changing that that we we don't need to to diminish those or put those on the back burner. But I think the tendency we need to recognize that we have fallen into is we want people to behave a certain way before they've met Jesus. And, and and even the way we talk about things, even the way we talk about the faith, and we talk about, um, I think about this with people whose family members have left the church, and one of the things that comes up, and again, this this is not a judgment of them or a condemnation, I think it's just, it's, just, it's sort of just a pointer to our um, kind of the culture that we're in as Catholics, maybe maybe here in America in particular, um, where they say like, oh, I wish they would get, you know, my, my kids, I wish they would get my grandchild baptized, which is, again, a beautiful hope and, 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 a, and a wound in the heart of so many grandparents. I know this for a fact, and, and I've walked with so many people who are in that situation. But there's not that primary hope that needs to be there, a prayer of, like, I, I wish they would know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because without that, then baptism becomes just an activity. Again, you can get every grandchild baptized, but if, if, we're, not, if we're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ— then, in a sense, we're kind of—I don't want to say abusing the sacrament, but we're we're we're, we're robbing the sacrament, which is always powerful and always efficacious. But we're robbing it of so much of its power, some of it, of, of its effectiveness. Because I just want to, I want someone to do something. Um, again, now the doing is important. The actions, the turning from sin, turning from sinful lifestyles, t- turning from sexual sins, addictions—all um, those things are super important, and and to never mitigate those things. But in a sense, the radical call to live our lives in a different way that we're inviting people into as Catholic Christians in the midst of, of a, a pagan society um, that has pagan morals, um, that 
they're not going to make sense unless you know Jesus Christ. Because, and that's that's the same true now as any any time in the church. And even if you think of the apostolic church, that um, in the early days, the first couple hundred years, in the midst of a very antagonistic Roman Empire, that they're calling people to live in a radically different way from the culture around them, radically to change their morals in profound ways, whether sexual morals or morals about children or about families or about politics or about treatment of the poor, all those things, which were radically different. And that, but that can only make sense and only really happen because people realize, oh, I'm not, I've now met Jesus. And because of that, you think of the Roman centurion with Peter that he brings brings into this relationship with Jesus Christ um, and baptizes the whole family. um, That now it's like, hey, now I want to live differently because I've now put myself under the lordship of Jesus. I now know him, and so I'm willing to do whatever it takes, which involves changing the way I live my life. Um, Which I I think viewing it from that perspective, it it might seem like a small change, but it is important. It It really is important for us. Um, to even think about how do I pray for people? I pray simply that they stop. Okay, my 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 brother, or sister, my son or daughter is in this sinful relationship, um, or or this this broken situation, or they're not going to church anymore. All those things. Again, we pray for that. I know the wounds there, but is my fundamental prayer, Lord, help them to meet you and to know you. And because of that, if I know Jesus then I want to go to Mass every day. <laughs> Not just go to Mass when I'm obligated to. But if I know That's Jesus, right. then I don't want to just get, get my child baptized. I want, I want to pray with them and over them and for them and teach them about Jesus every, every day of their lives. So there, there's right. a, a deeper sense. I think so, sometimes we're selling short the gospel by just saying, well, if only we can get some, some of these attitudes changed or some of these behaviors changed, that'll, that'll be enough. The gospel is much more than that. Um, it does involve those things, but those things actually flow from something even more profound and important which is a, a relationship with the living God. Right. And if there's that loving relationship, like you said, you know, attending Mass, it's not going to be, what's the minimum I need to do? Because love never says, well, what's the what's the bare minimum that I need to do here? It, love says, what more can I do? Uh, so, right. Father Michael Nixon, he is our spiritual director here on the program today, and we're taking your calls at 888-914-9149. Uh, as we're talking about how we can evangelize those in our community, those that we interact with, and uh, again, you're welcome to call in 888-914-9149. Father, we've got George who's calling in from Los Angeles. Hi, George, you're on the air with Father Michael. Hi, good morning. Good morning, Father Michael. Um, good morning. Um, so basically, good morning. Um, so I'm a registered nurse, but I became a registered nurse at a later age. I went to school at 42. Um, so my patients often ask me, how long have I been a nurse? And I say, oh, just a few years. I went to school later on in life. And then they say, and then I get the question like, oh, really? What made you go to a nurse? What did you do before? Nothing medical. And they always say, oh, what made you go to nursing school later on in life? And I say, God told me to. God, God told me I needed to change my ways. I needed to, do, I needed to use my God-given talents to the best of their ability. And so they look at me kind of interestingly. And I always say I was not a good student growing up. Actually, I was a horrible student. I hated school. Uh, I'm not the one that, not the type of guy that takes charge and takes control. The going gets tough, I take off. And I say, but you know how I did it? I said, I prayed and prayed and prayed. <coughs> I prayed more than I've ever prayed. And not, I prayed for strength. I prayed for guidance. I never really thought that I could do it. But 
I felt like God was asking me to do this. So I tell him I did it to prayer. I prayed to I prayed to God. I prayed to Jesus. I walked and talked with Jesus every morning. Uh, the bless I prayed to the Blessed Mother. Only a mother could believe in a person like me, and I'm able uh. to relate to my patients, my patients that are there for uh, maybe drug addiction. Uh, you know, I've 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 dealt with drug addiction. I've had a bout with drug addiction. And, you know, Blessed Mother still protected me. Blessed Mother still believed in me after all that stuff that I've done. Uh, alcoholism, you know. Uh, I've dealt with it. I grew up in East L.A. There was violence and drugs and gangs and stuff. I'm them. So I'm able to convince the patients that I'm just like them. And God, through God, through prayer, I made it through nursing school. I made it through. And now I'm here today to take care of you. So God asked me to go to nursing school. I prayed and prayed. I suffered greatly through nursing school. It was excruciating for me. And now I'm here today George, to take care of you. So, Yeah, George, yeah. Uh, just because we've got to get to a break here pretty quickly, I want to let Father respond. But, uh, you know, as George is sharing, Father Michael, um, you know, just even being able to relate and say, you know, I've, I've been where you are. That's such a great mm. opening opportunity to be able to then say, well, here's what helped me. And it doesn't have to be this heavy-handed kind of, you know, sharing of the faith. It's just, no, I've, I've been exactly where you are. Here's what helped. Absolute, and that can be such a great, a great doorway. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the, George, I just, want, I just want to thank you for sharing your testimony with us, because I, I, I feel blessed, blessed by that and, uh, and renewed in, in that. And I know for people at that, at that place, it's so important you're evangelizing. You don't have to go start a program at your parish in order to evangelize. If you do, that's great. But you're evangelizing by, by being a nurse who's bringing the relationship with Jesus into into that place where it's most needed. That, that that's 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 to me the um, the most important aspect of our of our evangelization is that we know Jesus as you clearly do, and we've experienced Him and know what it's like to be saved, and we're bringing that where the Lord sends us, which He sent you into that hospital room, those hospital rooms that you go into every day, which is. A, at times a very challenging place to go, but um, but that brings so much hope and consolation and encouragement. And yeah, that you can uh, relate it to their lives and their struggles, I think is, is absolutely beautiful. George, thanks again for the call. And uh, Dana, Ramona, Jean, um, you're all on deck. We're going to try and get to your calls here in just a moment, but we do need to take one more quick break. And we'll be back with more uh, here talking with Father Michael Nixon. Again, our phone number, if you'd like to join the program, 888-914-9149. And we'll be back here in just a moment on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive hundreds of your phone calls every day, all thanks to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line. Our sponsor offers flexible life insurance and annuities. Visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester today, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. This is The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and today our spiritual director is Father Michael Nixon. He is a priest in the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee in Florida, and today talking about how we evangelize those in our immediate uh, culture, our, our community, the people that we interact with day in, day out, and also taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149, Father Michael, we've got Dana who's calling in, listening in Roseville, California. Hi, Dana. You're on the air. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Um, 
I wanted to share just a little story about my journey of being able to learn how to share my faith. Um, I was raised Catholic and just kind of nominal in practice. And in my 40s, I was asked to um, join a friend at a Bible study at our parish. And it was the first time I'd done it. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure what to think. But I just really encourage people in that um, going to Bible studies, no matter how long we've been Catholic, if we're new to it, that spending time in community learning faith really was so powerful in bringing me a better understanding of my faith, which um, bore a um, greater level of confidence with me and a zeal to share my faith. And so if you're not comfortable or confident in being able to share your faith, this is such a good place to start because you're learning and the other aspect of it is having discussion at your tables, and then you're learning and practicing how to talk about these things with others. And then I saw it just kind of evolve through the years, and I started doing the studies over years, you know, just year after year. And the bonds that were made within that community, <clears throat> excuse me, the spiritual bonds were beyond um, this world. And so you see, like, this love that grows in that. So from there, I learned how important relationship is. And that's kind of like what the previous caller is talking about, is sharing our story founded in a Christ-centered place. And that's easy for us to share. People like to share their stories. And so what I saw is like kind of like in the Bible study, it was like the vine, the word, was um, taking root and growing. And just like a, a vine does, it sprawls and it grows. And I felt like just within my heart and my soul, I felt that vine kind of growing through and then spreading out to the next soul and the next one and then seeing fruit that was born along the way and just having this beautiful image of um, our Lord being the vine and we are the branches and just seeing how that really plays out in real life through just taking time to get to know him in a more meaningful way through Bible studies, for instance, and being able to learn to talk about it and then share our stories with others so that we can bring people into relationship, which I think people are so hungry for now. So I just want to share that and hope that I can encourage people, if you don't feel confident um, sharing your faith, um, get stronger in your faith and then share your stories with people in love. That's great. That's great, Dana. Very good insight. You know, and, and and the other thing that comes to my mind there, too, <laughs> if there's not a Bible study happening at your parish, uh, you know, you'd like to join one, try and start one, because if there's anything that will make you have to learn about your faith more than anything else, it's being a teacher, uh, you know, or, or maybe mm. help teach some religious ed classes. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've seen that in your own life, Father. You know, if you have to teach people, you better know the material. Absolutely, yeah. Again, that that John Paul line: faith grows as as it's given away, as as it's shared. So have, having to do that, kind of kind of putting ourselves in that position. And there are so we live in such a, a, a an age of a an embarrassment of riches as far as great Catholic resources, um, the great stuff that y'all are doing, and, and just everything with Word on Fire and Ascension and Ascension Press. And um, we have a production studio here, Saint Dominic Media, um, that you know we have seven different programs that we produce. There's so many great things out there to be able to study and dive into and to help you uh, learn your faith and know how to share it. 
Uh, Father, let's take Jean, who is calling in from Southern Maine. Jean, welcome to The Inner Life. Glad to have you on the air. Hi. Hi, go right ahead. Did you have a question, Jean? Oh, yes. Um, You you mentioned um, your own Baptist origin, and I have a brother who was raised Catholic, but then married and um, ended up converting, becoming a Baptist, and we have had, um, we've always been close, but less and um for for a number of years but definitely more in the last you know 5 years or so and um and i've had such um such a, an incredible experience of finding uh, jesus again and mm-hmm. and thanks to your uh radio station i, I can't say enough about it because Wow, the first rosary, Mary bringing me to Jesus, and how many graces have come the way. And my mm, and so my brother ended Jean. up getting it affected. Well, yeah, and, and I, I want to make sure we have time to respond here. We, we only have a couple minutes. So, yeah, what's your question, Jean? Um, do you have a recommendation of a book that mm. might end up um, having his... Um, his faith journey that has he, he's interacting more and more with uh, with us because of some of the fruits that have come uh, to him through you know um, well it was one of um, the divine mercy chaplets mm, and that's good. He, and it and now uh, the little one is uh, almost five years old wasn't quite two. And we have a much, we always had a good connection, but it's become stronger. And right. I've taken it slow with all well, my Well, Gene, again, because just because I'm, I, I want to make sure Father has time to respond, and we're really, really running up against mm-hmm. the end of the hour. Uh, Father, uh, any book recommendations that you might make or other resources for Gene to be able to speak with yeah. you about? First of all, I just want to affirm the way you're going with this. The most important book that he's going to read about Catholicism, Gene, is you living your faith transformed. You, you falling in love with Jesus and talking about Jesus. and Because the Jesus that he knows in and through his Baptist church and in and, and through uh, reading the, the Bible and everything else, um, you receive in the Holy Eucharist. And so uh, to, to be able to share that, that joy with him I think is so important. Um, and so, uh, you know, to, to, uh, Pope Francis calls it evangelization by attraction, which, which you're obviously doing, um, by, by sharing, like, I, I experienced this beautiful, you know, I went to Mass this past week, and I heard the, the gospel, and then I received Jesus, and what a grace that was. Also, too, just whatever the, the questions that he, he, uh, you know, we, to not, not seek to answer questions he's not asking, but whatever questions he is asking, um, there's great resources for that. Um, I think, you know, Scott Hahn's books, I think Rome Sweet Home is, is a classic for a reason, um, where he, he describes his conversion story. If someone's asking those questions, why would someone leave the Protestant, you know, faith and become Catholic, or, 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 con, or not just convert, but deepen their Christianity by, by going into, into full communion with the Catholic Church? Um, Scott Hahn's always a great resource there, but, but starting with the questions that he really is asking, and sharing, sharing uh, your own relationship with Jesus that, that is deep and by you being being a Catholic, I think it's a great gift. Gene, one other book that really helped me on my initial look at the Catholic Church, it's called Catholicism and Fundamentalism by Carl Keating. And so that might be a good resource there too. But again, so much you can find online. Father, it's been a great conversation. I wish we had more time, but we're down to about 15 seconds here. Can I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? 
Absolutely. Almighty God, bless and strengthen us this day and every day of our lives that we might know Jesus and share Jesus with others, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks for being here with us, Father Michael. And thank you to Nick Sentevich. Thank you to Sarah Tafoya for their help in producing the program. Thank you for listening. And of course, I always say, if you joined us late, if you'd like to listen to the entire hour of the podcast, available on our website, relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Stay tuned. Mass starts right now.